listening to the New Mamas Podcast. Hey, everyone. It's your host, Lena Forstel. And today I'm super excited to have Allie Williams back on the podcast. Yay. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. We had such a good convo. Our first episode about money. We were just like clearly money nerds her more than me because she's an actual money strategist and also has an MBA in finance. So she is like expert level 1000. And I am just a hobbyist, but I have my little money tricks up my sleeve too. And today we thought we would talk about money moves moms should make in 2023. It's the start of a new year, a great psychological fresh slate. Tax season is around the corner. So lots of little things to talk about. But Allie, let's get started. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, you actually have a good post on your Instagram, which is financially focused, which I'll put in the show notes about money moves to start in 2023. So let's like just talk about this list here. Yeah, sounds great. So the first one you have is open an HYSA. I actually don't know what that is. So an HYSA is a high yield savings account. Um, That's just like the acronym for it because no one wants to actually type out high high yield yield savings savings account. Um, so pretty much, yeah, it's just an account where you're going to make way more money than your traditional savings account. Like my high yield savings account, I use Ally Bank. I'm not like sponsored by them or anything. I really wish I was because I've probably had like hundreds of people at this point open Ally accounts. But anyway, wow. I've just been a, a customer for like not probably like eight or nine years. So a while like I've been with them and their interest rate on the savings account right now is like 3.3%, which Okay. For a savings account is really good. Like, you know, you're not investing in anything. It's literally just a savings account. And then you look at like Bank of America and theirs is 0.01%. Yeah, so it's 3.3% compared to like, you know, 0.01%. And most like Chase is very similar. And most like all of those like traditional brick and mortar banks, their interest rates are terrible. So point is your money... Like, especially, you know, your emergency fund or like sinking, like that type of stuff should be in a high yield savings account. So your money can start making money since it's just, you know, you're saving it. You're not like using it that day. So let your money make money with you doing literally nothing. (laughs) That sounds like a great deal to me. And there's no catch, right? Like you can withdraw it at any time. Yep. No catch. Um, the same, it follows like the same rules as any savings account. You know, you can only make six transfers a month, like a billing cycle out of your savings account, but that's a federal rule. That's not like a high yield savings account rule. Like that's oh, I didn't know that. If you have, yeah. So you can have, have six transfers out. You can have as many as you want into the account, but out you can only do six. But, but like I said, that's a federal, like, rule that's not like just to high yield savings account so like your traditional account is still going to have that like six limit um and normally high yield savings accounts like ally for example they have no minimum fees or or minimum balance requirements or like mm. account fees or anything so overall it's just way better <laughs> sold like where is your yeah. referral link because i, I am don't have one I am going to open one up because that's so that's like a really good thing to do for your like if you have a family like savings account, I feel like that's like a really good place. That's a really good start is like, let's put all our money there instead of keeping it at 
the Bank of America savings account or TD Bank savings account, which you're right, accrues like I, I literally I looked at it. I think I got like six cents last year. Right. Like cents. Like I see six cents on the street and I don't pick it up. So right. Like, My Bank of America because I have so Bank of America is like my main bank because I've just had an account with them since I was 16 and yeah, I just leave it. But I keep like nothing in there. Like my main like savings is ally, but like my Bank of America savings, which has pretty much the minimum in there to not pay a fee just there. But I think I got I get like one cent a month, <laughs> like literally it goes up by like one cent. And then ally I'm making like I mean, yeah, you're not going to become like rich or retire off it. But like if you have a decent amount in there, like a house down payment, you know, that you're waiting for a few years mm-hmm. or your emergency funds, like you can get a few like a hundred dollars that year or two hundred dollars for literally take doing it. nothing. Like it's just yeah, like I'll take an extra hundred dollars for all you yeah. for literally just keeping your money in an account. Like you don't have to do anything. So it's yeah. worth it. So that's so worth it. I mean, that's like your Netflix subscription, right? Like nine, whatever, $9 a month. I mean, I feel like we live in subscription land now. So I feel like exactly an extra $100, an extra 200, take it. Yeah, totally. So the next one you have on there is review retirement contributions. Let's break that down. If you do work like a nine to five or have like an employer, you know, an employer sponsored account, it's a good time new year to kind of review like, am I contributing? You know, if I am like, what percent am I contributing? Reviewing what you're invested in, like 401ks, for example, like through your employer, you know, they give you options and you like choose, you know, what, what you want. So just kind of reviewing like what your, where your money is, what you chose as investments, if you if it's a 401k type of thing, you can make sure you know your company's like vesting schedule. If there's a company match, meaning like if they match a certain percent, mm-hmm. you have to know when that's vested. So if you're new there, you know, maybe it doesn't vest. You have to be there five years before you get the match, which is fine if you're there five years. But like if you leave at year four and a half, you don't get that match. So it's just things to keep in mind. It's just a good time. New year you know, kind of review what's going on. If you have like a Roth IRA reviewing, like if you are contributing every month, maybe you can increase it by $25, you know, or maybe you want to just like rebalance your portfolio. I don't know. It's just new year is a good time to kind of like see what's going on. I never worry necessarily about like what the stock market is doing. Cause like it can be a down year, but for me, I'm 31. So retirement age is not soon for me. So like, yeah. There's going to be many down years between me at 31 and me at 65 plus. So I'm not necessarily looking at like the panic mode that a lot of people you might see online or social media or the news like panicking. I'm not saying like panic sell your retirement contributions. (laughs) I'm just saying review where your money's going, percent it, like all of that type of stuff. Yeah. Like, is it a year that maybe you increase the amount that... Right you're contributing towards your retirement. Like I know one strategy I try to use to not spend money is to hide money from myself, which sounds kind of crazy, but I try to do stuff like that, like stuff that comes right out of my paycheck 
and contributes to either my HSA, which is a health savings account. And then once you get a certain amount in your health savings account, some of them also allow you to invest as well. So yeah, maybe while you're reviewing your retirement contributions, also kind of looking at the healthcare stuff too, like your FSA, your HSA, like the FSA, make sure you spend that. I actually made the really bad mistake the first year that I enrolled in an FSA, I had no idea that it doesn't roll over. So I lost like $2,000, like very, because I just started a new job at like, I don't know, in October, and I contributed the max amount thinking I was being real good. And I didn't know it was a rookie mistake, but I learned that's how I learned the difference between a FSA, which is a flexible spending account and an HSA, which is a health savings account, a health savings account does roll over. Yeah. And FSA, depending on your company, you can roll over a certain amount. It's usually like 500 or 600 Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like if you have 2000 in there, it would only roll over the end amount. Um, I have an FSA because I don't have a high deductible plan. You need a high deductible plan, you know, for your HSA. And since I've had two births in two years and all the other stuff, I was like, I am not, you know, I'm trying to pay as little as possible for this. So for sure, high deductible and like this stage of life, but, but yeah, like making sure, like you said, a review, just, it's a good, you know, start of the year. So take some time and just make sure you know what's going on. So if you do have medical bills this year, which you might, even if you just have like your typical medical bills, you know, you know, like how much money you have in certain places, how you're going to pay for them. It's just a good, good time to kind of look over what's going on. Yeah. And I don't know if everybody knows this, but there's also a FSA store. It's actually called fsastore.com. So if you are in like my position and you had to use your FSA before the end of the year, you can just buy a lot of band-aids or whatever, whatever is in that store you can just stock up on. But I mean, we're in the beginning of the year right now, so you're probably not thinking too much about it, but it's just a kind of a good reminder to see like what's going on. Yeah. Amazon um, now also will tell you if it's FSA eligible and you can use your FSA card like on Amazon for purchases that are eligible. So like you said, you don't need to necessarily do that right now. It's just things, little tips you can like make a note of or refer back to like as the year goes on, if you realize, oh, I put so much money in this and like we didn't, didn't need it. Like there's so many things, you know, you can like just get just to make sure you're not losing money. Your next one is check your credit score. I haven't done this in actually a lot, like ever since you, like we bought a house, what, 2019. And then after that, I just never checked it again. So my first question, why should you check your credit score? So there's a few reasons. Obviously, if you like don't need a loan or won't need a loan anytime soon, like, I mean, it's not necessarily as important, but what I would say you want to do is check your credit report, um, Mm -hmm. which you can pull for free on any creditreport.com it's like free you can pull from each of the credit bureaus and the reason I say that is because of identity you know theft Mm -hmm. um if you want to make sure that there's no you want to make sure everything on your credit report so it won't give you a score that's to your score is made up of you know three numbers obviously you know everyone knows that and there's different algorithms depending on who pulls it so your score might fluctuate which is important for loan purposes. But even if you don't, you're like, Allie, I'm, I don't need a loan ever. Like, that's fine. But you 
need to review your credit report because you want to make sure everything on there is truly yours. You want to make sure if you have paid off a debt, it's not showing up on your credit report that you still owe it. You want to make sure there's nothing like weird in collections that you didn't know about. You want to make sure there's oh, not like an that's account what, open. Uh, Oh, so credit report will show that like Everything. weird medical bills, you know, that yeah, like it sh- went to collections. It will show wow. um, it, w- it will show every account, you know, credit based account that's in your name. So you can make sure no one opened a credit card or a loan. You would probably know, you know, yeah. maybe if it, but a credit card, like technically that's not coming out of your bank account. So like you wouldn't know if someone's racking up a credit card in your name until someone contacted you or if you checked your credit score and it was really low and you're like, that's weird. Like, why is my credit score so low? Then you could see. So even if you don't need a loan or like, you're like, I already have my house. I have all the cars I need. I'll never need another loan. <laughs> it's still a good, I- whatever, you know, like it's all still the cars, yeah, <laughs> all of the cars for the rest of my life. I'll never need a loan, but it's good to just even twice, a, once a year, twice a year, just like review your credit report just to make sure everything on there is right. You know, there's nothing like yeah. weird going on. It's a good way to just kind of check in. Okay. So you mentioned credit cards. Like, let's say like, you know how every single store like pressures you to open a damn credit card. I hate it. It's every single store. It like makes me. But so anyway, I sometimes I fall into the trap of opening the credit cards to say, save money, get points. But then I'll forget about said credit card loft. Let's give it let's let's use loft. For example, there was a time in my life where I was shopping at loft and then I opened the credit card and then I tried to use it again six months later. And I think if you don't use a credit card after a certain amount of time, it will like deactivate. And then I just never activate it again. And I feel like I should cancel that I can't like, what would you suggest? And I feel like there's a lot of people out there like me with these like random credit cards they don't use. Keep them, cancel them. Will a free red- yeah. credit report like show that and remind me like what are all the random credit cards I have? It will show you all like open lines of credit. So okay. if you have accounts open, it will show you what's open. Like even if you haven't used the card in five years, if the, yeah. if the account is open, it will show you like what you have open and what you're like, available balances so like it might say zero but you have five thousand dollars like a you know a five thousand dollar limit I don't know but it'll show you all open credit like lines of credit in your name which is just helpful like I said just to make sure it is right you're and you're not like huh I never opened that credit card or maybe you did and you're like oh I forgot you know I forgot about that it's just a good like I said it's just especially new year I mean you should do this I would say like twice a year just to be sure like or I mean you can if you if you're like I'm only going to do it once a year it's better than zero times but it's like we're talking about you know moves for the new year it's a great idea to just make sure everything is normal and to your point like if you are someone who has a lot of store cards you would be able to see like what cards you have open and with the closing of the account usually they'll like send you a letter if they're going to close your account and this just goes for anyone like if you've never received anything from them and like even if you don't have the physical card anymore your account like still might be open which is why pulling your credit report is a good idea just to kind of see be sure like what is actually open in my name you know yeah (laughs) for sure I feel like it is probably a good idea to cancel it I think I'm gonna cancel that's so it's freecreditscore.com annual credit report and only use that website and I would type it in like exact because there's a lot of scams out there Um, and when you actually like you know there's like companies like oh 
pay me to do you know or whatever and Mm -hmm. like when you log if you go to it you'll see I think it's like the top corner it says like the only source for your free credit reports authorized by federal law so like make sure you see oh I see that yep yeah so annualcreditreport.com don't it's not .org, .net, some weird scam website, like literally annualcreditreport.com. It's all you need. Um, it should say, like I said at the top, like authorized by federal law. Um, it's the only like government backed kind of website. Like it's, I mean, there might be other ways, but this way is a hundred percent legit. You can trust it, you know, cause with a credit report, obviously they need like your social security number and stuff. Cause it's tied to your name and you don't want to just like give out your social security number to like random website so just make sure yeah you use this website and you can pull from each of the credit bureaus so if you want to just like pull one see and then like four months later pull another one just to review kind of each if you don't want to review like you know all of them um I think during COVID yeah you can do you can technically check weekly wow well it's still still considered during COVID but before you could get a copy from each of the credit report like you know experience transunion um each of them once a year but so like that's why i would tell people if you want to check your credit report throughout the year just pull one and then wait a few months pull another you know kind of just split it up but i think covid too there was a lot of like scams and everyone was home and online and there was so much going on so they were letting people they like you know said you can pull it more often just to like know what was going on um but yeah if you haven't done it recently definitely do that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done it. So I feel like that's a really good thing to do. And then so if you're a couple and you're married or even not married, so you would check an individual like I would check my own and then John would check his. Yes. Yes. So, okay. And if you have any joint accounts, like uh-huh. the joint credit cards, it should show up on both, you know, like both of your credit report should say that joint account but yeah I would pull like I would do it for each of you because like technically someone could like steal his social security number but not yours you know Mm because it is like you know based on your social security number pretty much because that's how you open bank accounts or right you know credit credit cards credit cards I mean yeah it's like your identity is that so um yeah you can do it like do it as an individual so you both could do it okay so if you have both of you sit down and check your credit score, well, uh, your credit, pull your credit report. Actually, let's yeah. quickly talk about credit score. So you mentioned that credit score is made up of three numbers. Can we, do yeah. you want to break that down for us? Yeah. So, you know, you've probably seen like a 500 is like not good. And like right. 800 is like really good. It's like really good. So it's three numbers. Um, You there's different, like pretty much they use like data, right? Like software to like, kind of figure out how good of like if someone gave you a loan how good would you be at paying that loan back Mm -hmm. in a timely fashion like it's rating you as someone who might have debt so you know the biggest thing they take into consideration is on-time payments Mm -hmm. which is just your minimum payment but they want to make sure you have like a hundred percent even if you miss two payments it's like that's like the highest percentage so you want to make sure you're always making your minimums on time and if you haven't and you notice right away, definitely contact like your credit card, explain, because they usually don't report it to the credit bureaus for 30 days. So if you like just miss a payment, I would contact them and make sure, ask them if they reported it already. Um, and you can actually, if you've never missed a payment before, I would ask them to waive the missed payment fee and all that, uh, because usually they'll do that once. Um, oh, but they good take to know. Days. Yeah, you can like negotiate most 
credit card or bank fees, especially if it's not like recurring. If you're like late every month, I mean, they're not going to like, you know, forgive anything. But if you like forgot to pay your minimum on your credit card and that's never happened before, like, yeah. you know, just like completely, you like thought you had auto pay set up or something. Yep. And didn't, I don't know. Things happen. And they understand that too. So like I would, you can literally chat with customer service and just be like, I'm so sorry. You know, I've always made online payment, on-time payments. You can see that. Like I've been a customer for X years. Like, is there any way you can, you know, waive the late payment fee? And usually they will like one time. And you can also ask, like I said, if they've um, reported it, they usually take 30 days to report it. So like, if you miss it that day and pay it the next day, you should, you know, they shouldn't have reported it yet. But obviously if you've like missed it 60 days ago, that's worse. It's like 30, 60, 90 and 90 is like, right you're like you're in the red so anyway on-time payments they also look at like credit utilization so if you have all maxed out cards you know that shows someone who's trying to like potentially loaning you money like you can't pay off you know you're not mm -hmm. the best yeah. at managing your debt right um then they look at age at credit age of credit history so back to your point of open credit cards um i always tell people if it's one of your oldest cards and will drastically affect your age of credit history you might not want to close it oh interesting and so because that's a big age of credit history is like um a middle tier factor in your credit score if you need your if you care about your credit score and you know will need something at some point I always say like look you know kind of see your average like the length of credit history for all of your open accounts and if it's like a mi middle tier one like say you have a card that's one year old 12 years old and this is the five-year-old one, like you can close that one. I don't, you know, whatever, but like, don't close your 12 because then you're stuck with one in five and that's going to drastically reduce your, you know, average age of credit history because they wow. average it Wow. I had no idea that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So average age of credit history is a big one. So that's why like younger people, you pretty much have no age of credit history. So that's mm -hmm. why, you know, your credit score is usually a lot lower because you just, it's just time. Like you just don't mm -hmm. have it. So I have a card. I opened it when I was, you know, I think I was a freshman in college. So I was like 18. And cause my dad, thankfully the one thing, not the one thing my parents did right, but one of the <laughs> things my parents did right was my dad really explained credit cards to me really well. And so he was like, open a card and just put like just your gas on it. And like, cause I, I had, you know, like could pay for my gas in college. So he's like, just put your gas on it and pay it off. But like, use that just for gas to start building your credits. So I was like, sure, you know, whatever. So at the time I didn't obviously knew nothing about like travel rewards or like cash back. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if that was as big in 2009 as it is in 2022, you know, like, I don't think it was like a thing. I don't remember but it being a thing. Yeah, so I was like picking a card like, ooh, like this is going to be the best travel card. So the card doesn't really do anything for me. Like it just, I think I get points, but like, I think you, I don't know. It's not great, but I don't want to close it because it's my oldest card. So what I do with that card to keep it active um, is it's my like subscription card talking about subscriptions. Brilliant. So yeah. So I put all my subscriptions on there. One, it helps me stay organized in my subscriptions because I know what's on the card. And it's also not a significant amount that I feel like I'm missing out on like, mm -hmm. you know, hundreds of travel points. 
but it's keeping the card active. It's keeping some like small, like Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, like yep. smaller things on there. So it's, you know, it's getting some stuff on there, but it's not like, oh, wow, that's, you know, $700 a month of points or whatever. So that's what I do to keep my oldest card active. You could also just like literally use it once every six months for like Chick-fil-A or something. And like, they, you know, just kind of like keep it, keep it active. Keep so it active. But yeah. yeah, I wouldn't recommend closing your oldest unless you have like two back to back like if you have one that's 14 years old and one that's 13 years old you sh- you will be fine but if it's like a huge gap and will like drastically affect your you know average age of credit then I wouldn't close it that is great advice and you can always improve your credit score as well right so how oh, yeah. would, how would someone go about doing that let's say they're thinking about buying a new car soon. I mean, mm-hmm. I know the car market kind of sucks right now, but let's say you're trying to improve your credit score. What's like the first thing you should do? So one, I would like pull my, like see what's going on with my credit score. And you can do that for mm-hmm. free. Um, on like credit karma, a lot of credit cards, like at your statement, you might see your FICO score, but credit karma will kind of break down like why they're giving you the score like oh you Mm. like you're in the green for this you're in the yellow for this like you suck at this or whatever but something to note is like credit karma score isn't necessarily going to be the same as like a mortgage Mm -hmm. like lender because they usually each lender kind of has their own software so it's going to still be a little different but what's important is your understanding kind of where you're good and where you're bad like things to improve on so the score don't be so like held up on like the exact number because it does fluctuate. And I know that just because like when we bought our house, what credit karma said and what like yeah. our lender said wasn't the same. And that's the case. Like one lender can tell you one thing and then another lender might say your score is different. I mean, it shouldn't fluctuate like 30 points, but it, there's still going to be some fluctuation, but you want to kind of just see like, where am I good? So like we said, if you're paying, if you're not paying your payments on time, that's number one. You have to get like fully current and always have minimums. Two would be your credit utilization. They say, you know, to be in the green, you want your credit utilization under 30%, but like to be really good, you want it under 10%, which means, you know, if your credit card has about a, a available credit of like $10,000, you don't want to have $8,000 on your card. You know, you want to have closer to $1,000, you know, that's like, ah. that or that's on there. I so see, you want to so make she- sure that the per- percentage is like ideal, like like gold star would be under ten percent or like ten, but like you're still good if it's under thirty percent. I see. So let's say your credit limit's like forty five hundred, you shouldn't yeah. be hitting four thousand no, every no, month. No, 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 and or like it shouldn't be on there that it's reporting to the credit bureau. So like if you have four thousand on there. And it's always paid, like, say you put it on day one and it's paid off day 15 and it never gets reported, like, oh, okay, you know, okay. you're paying it off. So it's only what's, like, going to get reported. So, like, that kind of, like, rollover or credit card debt or anything like that. So I it's, see. Like, when it's getting reported. So, like, if you can pay off your credit cards in full each month, you know, when you, like, get your credit card statement right and it says, like, you, you owe... Yep. Say it says like you owe a thousand dollars, right? And like you, you don't necessarily even if you don't have interest, you see like what you owe on your bill. Uh-huh. That's what's being reported to the credit bureau. So it's like if it says you owe a thousand and your balance, you know, your available is ten thousand, then you're okay, you know. But if it says you owe eight thousand, 
and your you know what you could put on their max is ten thousand. Like that's not good. And another thing to keep in mind is they also average it. So if you have like one max out card and then zero on other cards, like that will help you. And like I said, Credit Karma um kind of can show you like where you need to improve. I think there's another one like Credit Sesame. They're both free and both literally do the same thing. I've just used Credit Karma. But you kind of want to see like where they say the other thing, age of credit history, like we talked about. And then the two other like smaller ones is credit mix, types of credit mix. I don't think that's important. It's pretty much like very low on it, meaning like they say they want you to have like a mix of types, like a mortgage, a car loan, a credit card, like Uh it shows that you have different things. But my credit score is pretty much perfect. And I just had credit cards at that point. Like I own, those are the only open lines of credit. So I wouldn't worry, like don't open different types of accounts (laughs) to do that. And then the fifth is um, like inquiries. So if you have you know, hard inquiries or soft inquiries. So like a mortgage, right? They're pulling your credit report um, or credit score. So if you get it pulled five times in a month, it's going to say that you have five inquiries, which they don't want someone, they'll start questioning, you know, not, you know, why are you getting your credit score pulled five times in a month? So that's a low one as well, but it's just something you want to keep in mind. Or if you're applying to credit cards and you apply to 10, also not, you know, not the best idea when you're trying to like get a, car loan or a mortgage or something like that. Hey everyone, it's your host, Lena Forrestal, taking a quick break from this podcast episode to ask you to support the show. I do this show because I love it. And as a self-funded creator, your support can help me pay for things like podcast hosting and an editor. So here's how you can help. Share this episode with a mom friend, caretaker, or soon-to-be mom friend. Leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you wanted to throw me some coins, you can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Any little bit helps, and I appreciate your support. Finally, give me a follow on Instagram at Lena Forrestal. I love meeting my listeners, so definitely send me a DM and introduce yourself. Now, let's get back to the show. Say your car and your mortgage, like you bought a house, you still want to keep your credit score healthy, right? Because you might want to take out a loan in the future, like a personal loan. Or I recently learned about a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit, which I think is very interesting. So that's that's good advice, right? Keep your credit score healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you don't want it to fall. Like it will make it harder for a lot of things. Even now, I mean, even if you don't need a loan, like sometimes apartments pull your credit score now to see like on the application to see if you're like a good renter. Like that can be a question. I've seen that in a lot of like competitive wow. markets. Um, you can even ask like if you're renting, like a landlord can ask you for it. Like if it's that part of their process, you know, obviously can't wow. like, single you out, but like, you know, it could be part of their application process. They want to know your credit score. Um, Cause they want to make sure you can pay your bill, you know, pay everything on time. Um, some utility companies also request it. And if it's low, we'll make you pay deposits to kind of like make uh-huh. sure like, oh, you can so pay. it affects a lot. Yeah. So it's, it can affect a lot besides just like, can you get a loan? And it's just something to keep in mind. Like you said, you don't want it to like fall and be like 500, you know, you want to try to keep it in the, like the seven, you know, 700, 800, like that 
type of range just so that you know that if you need something, you'll get approved. (laughs) Yeah. You're not like, oh no, I really let things slide after we bought our house, which is. But yeah, yeah. credit credit cards too. Like if you want like really good travel credit cards, like Mm. you need to have a good credit score because applying for cards, it's going to. So yeah, your credit score affects like a lot besides just, I want to buy a house or or I need a car loan type of thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a big one. I love that annual credit report.com and for your credit report and then credit karma. And there's a couple different yeah. ones, but I see, I feel like I see credit karma commercials all the time. So yeah, those are two I just good ones. Them, like in the past. Yeah. So, like, I know. I know it's legit. That's why I'll say it. <laughs> the last tip that you have on your post is complete a money audit. That's a biggie. It is so a it's we talked about it in the first episode we did together. Doing a money yeah. audit is basically getting all of your ducks in a row. What money is coming in? What money is coming out? That process can feel very overwhelming just thinking about it for a family. Where would you suggest a mom or a family would start? Because I think the actually the 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 overwhelming part, at least even for me, is thinking about it in terms of the family because mm-hmm. we both my husband and I have like separate cards and separate accounts and we both we split like like I pay mortgage and daycare and he's got like utilities and all the farm stuff is like under his name so it's like where do you think a family should start when doing yeah starting the money audit process i think the first thing you would need to just literally like spend time with your partner and just list out all of your accounts like not even like going into the account but just like Mm. a list of like okay you have two checking accounts it's you know checking account x checking account y and then i have one checking account checking account z and then what credit like literally just like a family list which is important i even if you don't do a money audit it is so important to know you have open like this is really morbid but like when i went into the hospital to give birth for the first time i literally had like everything written out for my husband, like our finances, like what accounts, passwords, what I, what he needed from each account, like what to do with each account. Like if my my son survived, what I wanted him to do with certain money, like what, like I had it all mapped out. Cause I was like, I'm not trying to be dying, trying to tell him what to, you know, like (laughs) just trying to like password is FX star six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, Like how many families truly discuss that right like you just know oh my husband pays this or oh my wife pays or you know like you just do your thing which is great in the day-to-day stuff but like in pan or if like I was in a coma for four months I don't you know or something yeah happened like Joe would have to literally do all like because I manage our finances on a day-to-day basis so even if you are like Allie I'm never gonna do the money audit which do it but even if you're telling me that you need to like list out what you guys have like what accounts you have make sure you know not to be like morbid again but like make sure you're each other's beneficiaries of like yeah. your, you know anyway you need to like just take time and just like have a list so that's where I would start is like if you're like I don't even know what accounts we have or like what's going on like take some time write down what you each have like how many checking accounts write like but like write the names how many savings accounts you each have um investing like investment accounts credit cards like just get it all out that would be like step one list everything and then from there like you can always listen to our other episode too but um you know then you can go into 
like the actual process of like maybe you maybe it takes you like three weeks to do the money audit I don't know like you if you have that many accounts like maybe you spend one day just like going through just the checking accounts you know or you spend Mm -hmm. one day going through the credit cards or the state like you kind of can break it up that way but first you need to just like have a list and keep that somewhere in general of like what you all have going on. Yeah. It's not that it's morbid. It's just honestly realistic when you have a family. Like John has no idea. I have like a couple different brokerage accounts, like one for my work stuff and then one for my personal. And he, I don't think he know. he doesn't know. He's, yeah. And I think he's probably my beneficiary on one, but I don't think he's my beneficiary on the other. And you can have multiple beneficiaries mm-hmm. on this account. So if you have children, make sure that you add them to. But it's it's realistic. It's absolutely realistic. Yeah. And like things happen and it's just better to get it out, out of the way and have peace of mind. Right. It's yeah. like one more thing, like you're not in the swimming in the back of your mind of, oh, what happens if I'm not here? Right. And it's something to always, like I said, it's not something you ever hope you need, but if in that case you do, and like I said, even a coma, like even if I'm not dead and I have some procedure and they have to put me in a medically induced coma for two months, like we still have bills, like my life doesn't stop if I'm in a coma, like he still would have to like pay our mortgage and pay our utilities and like know what to do. Like, like he would still have to do all of that. And you know, especially if you're a mom listening, if, if you're the one managing the finances, like it's a good conversation to, you know, bring your partner in. But if you're not, and you're like, I don't know, my partner literally handles everything and it's great. And that's fine. You can keep it that way. I'm not saying that you have to start taking over the day-to-day stuff, but you need to know where everything is, where passwords are. You don't want to be scrambling. If something happens to your partner, you don't want to be like trying to scramble through their computer and phone to try to figure out your bank password or your oh credit card password or like, no. you know, think like you just need to, that's like you said, one less thing to worry about in certain situations. So that is a good step, you know, to do at the beginning of the year and just have it somewhere where you both can, you know, update it if something changed. I don't know. It's just a good place to get on the same page so that you at least have a list of like, all of your accounts. And that would be where I, that would be where I'd start the process in general. Yeah. I think that's sound advice. And let's say we do the money audit and we like, let's say we know that we need to cut back on spending. What's like the first thing that comes to mind when you think of where families can cut spending? My first thought is to review subscriptions um, because a lot of times families and I'm including you have Disney Plus, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have HBO, you have Peacock now. Yeah. Like, and that's, I'm not saying you can't, if you can budget, if it fits in your life and you want all them go for it. I'm not, but that's a really like low hanging fruit, like five seconds to just like cancel or threaten to cancel and ask if they have deals and see what they say. Cause in my opinion, worst case, you were going to cancel anyway and say they're like, okay we can give it say it's like eight dollars a month I don't know and they're like okay we can give it to you for one dollar a month then you can say like okay do we want to you know do we want to keep that one and maybe cancel another you know whatever then you can kind of play that game it doesn't hurt to ask like I negotiate or try to like I feel like every variable bill obviously not like I'd love to negotiate like my groceries but you know can't do that but like anything like online like internet if you can just make a list of like bills you know that could be negotiated or whatever like and just 
tackle one a week, you know, call them and just ask worst case they say no. And you're in the exact same situation you are right now, but um, subscriptions is definitely where I'd start. And the other thing through your money audit, you'd probably see it is kind of that like miscellaneous quote mm-hmm. unquote spending where you're like, I don't really know what category this goes under. And the reason yep. you don't know a category it goes under is because it's probably not something you need. And so you're just throwing it in miscellaneous. So like gas station purchases, um, Amazon, like not like not saying all Amazon, but just reviewing like those impulse type oh yeah, we needed this. Oh, we need like, that's a big one for a lot of people. Just kind of looking at that catch all category, um, which is why I tell people to never have a miscellaneous category because it just grows and grows and grows <laughs> into things. So those would be like the two I'd start. And then of course, from their food, which right now with rising costs, it's hard to say that Insane. you could just like cut your food, but it is a good way to look like, okay, are we grocery shopping every Monday? And then getting takeout Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then it's like, then we need to look at like, maybe we don't lie to ourselves and pretend that we're going to cook four meals a day and waste, you know, then you can like review it. So there could be some ways in like, you know, the food category as well. Yeah, that's one I'm trying to actively figure out. I feel like I buy the same things every week for our family. And then there are some things that I buy that are like more impulse And that just sort of like sit in the the cupboard. But yeah, oh my gosh, rising food prices, like gallon of milk because I buy organic whole milk for my son. And it was $6.09 at the store recently at like the cheap food store, not like Whole Foods or Wegmans. It was like at our like budget food store, which is wild because I remember paying. I remember thinking that like $3.99 at one point for whole a gallon of whole milk was expensive so it's just like yeah I mean wild like eggs are expensive like eggs are expensive and we go through so many eggs and it's just like I like I feel like just a year ago and then now I'm like a dozen like we go because our dog gets scrambled eggs in the morning (laughs) and our love it and our and our son does like our toddler so it's like we go through like three eggs every single day pretty much and it's like that used to be something that was like, quote unquote, oh, cheap. Yes. And then now I'm like, it's not cheap. Yeah. Like, eggs aren't cheap. I mean, obviously there's things more, but like, it's not the staple cheap food item anymore. So it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, that and like organic. Well, I try to, I try to buy organic vegetables, but it used to not be a big deal. Like organic cauliflower and broccoli was I think $6.99 for one head of broccoli and cauliflower. I ended up buying like the non-organic broccoli, which is something I never do. And I know that sounds like a certain way, but I just, it was just a choice that I made. And I like, I made that financial choice of like, I can't pay this much because I'll make it for my son and he doesn't always eat it because he's a toddler. And one day exactly. he l- loves it and that's all he wants to eat. The next day he makes like throw up noises when I give it to him. <laughs> yeah, so, I can relate to that. So, yeah. so I just yeah, bought the regular one. I mean, it's like, it's honestly wild. Like the whole, like I, I saved a coupon the other day for almond milk. I never, I was never a couponer, but then I got one out of the machine and I was like, oh, save a dollar. 
I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy right now. So yeah, food is not necessarily like one I'm going to tell you that you can reduce. It's one I'd review. Review. Just to mm-hmm. see. But I'm but like cutting, I would definitely do subscriptions and then kind of like that extra. Oh, yeah, we need this for the house. And then it's like, but did you really need it? Or you just kind of like impulsively wanted it, you know, in that moment? Not yes. necessarily like we actually need this for, you know, for something. It's like, oh, I saw that. Or like I saw that on an Instagram ad or, you know, Ugh. all those like those yes. purchases definitely are easier to kind of get rid of. No, it's another one that is sneaky. It's your Apple, if you have Apple, or probably Android too, your subscriptions on your phone, like for apps, different apps and stuff. Like sometimes you'll download an app for a free trial and it will like renew, but then it'll make you pay. And you don't even realize like that you're paying like 69 a year for a certain app. Like it's crazy. So I check this once in a while and they don't make it easy to find, but go to settings and then type in the search subscriptions and it's tied to your Apple ID. And then from there, you go to your subscriptions and look, you can see it's like a list. It's like a list of stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, some of the stuff I use, but then a lot of the stuff I don't. So just make sure that you click into it and cancel (laughs) anything. I don't have any <laughs> good for good for you. But look, you don't have any subscriptions. <laughs> n- no, it, that's excellent. But like, I have a bunch that are like forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, fourteen ninety nine, like twenty nine, like twenty nine, like nineteen ninety nine. Like it's a it, it uh it adds up. So definitely, that's a sneaky one, everybody. Well, do you actually? So I actually just saw this, but I used to use Truebill. For like a hot second. Have you ever heard of that? Mm, I might have seen like. No, I don't. It's like. Like, do you recommend any like financial like tracking apps or anything? Or are you more like you believe more like old school? Put it all in an Excel. Yeah, I am not an app person. I've tried them and I like hate the alerts that come with them. And then I feel like they miscategorize them and then mm. you have to like go in and like manually edit it and like, yep. That's I when I stopped like, using Truebill. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, some people like, you know, mint and then like, um, Oh yeah. Mint. A, yeah. You need a budget is one. Um, but like, like I said, I am not, I can't get into like the apps because I just think they're more annoying than useful for me. Some people like once you finally get it right, they really like it, but I'm just like, I'm good with Excel, like, you know, a basic Excel Old file school. and like, yeah, like I'm good with it. I don't need fancy phone apps. Like I like having it like on mine's Google Sheets. So like, I like that I can technically just like pull it up from wherever. It's not really like tied, you know, to my computer or anything like that. So yeah, I'm, I just old school, basic Excel, you know, file. <laughs> I love it. For our closing question, Tax season is around the corner. As a family, what should we know and how should we prepare for tax seasons? Because I feel like every year it's a scramble and we're stressed. So if you actually, I have one tip before you give your tip. Yeah. The daycare, if you have daycare or preschool, whatever you pay for, th- you need to know the, like the EIN number. Well, you can deduct. I'm not an oh, yeah. CPA, so I'll put the disclaimer, but you can deduct um, child care. Like there's a credit. Oh, yeah, that. that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you would need that. Or if you like pay a nanny, you'd have to like 
literally have like a W2, like she'd have to be like an employee. Um, It can't be like a baby, like you can't deduct like a babysitter you paid on Venmo, you know, for whatever. It has to be like a legitimate where they're paying taxes. So like a child, you know, a daycare center obviously is paying taxes. And then if you hired a nanny, whether on your own or through an agency and like you're, you know, they're going to pay taxes on their income, then you can deduct it. But it can't be like a, you know. Pay cash like, under, under the under table. The, yeah. Yeah. I can't be like an under the table. You can't claim that um, credit if it's like under the table. But right. But ask your daycare. Yeah. Ask them for the EIN number way before you do your taxes or work with someone to do your taxes because it's a it's annoying not having mm-hmm. it and needing it like right away. Yeah. One thing I mean, like I said, I'm not a CPA, but something I do is like when I get tax documents, I like just scan them pretty much like right away because like I do mine like I don't I don't like meet with my I'm virtual because like I have no time to talk to someone in an office especially with two little kids like I just want to talk to you on email quick phone call send you what you need and move on so I like keep you know I kind of scan in stuff as I get it and I just have a folder um it just like helps me make sure I have everything and then I have a word document um which I pretty much just use year to year because a lot of our stuff this year will change because we bought this house but for the most part like I'm not like drastically changing my tax document so I just have like a word document list and I like have all our accounts on it and I just like kind of check off when I've gotten things so that Ah. I know when I I have it like when I have like for example if you have a high yield savings account you'll get like a form that says how much interest you made that year because if you make over a certain amount you're you can be taxed on it as income or like your brokerage firms will send you tax documents. Obviously, if you have a full-time job, like, you know, you'll get your W-2, you'll, you know, there's all those four, you know, you yeah. have pay student loans, there's an interest, um, there's a, a credit if you, your mortgage interest, there's a form, like all those forms. And some of them you might not even get in the mail anymore. You might get them online, but it's a good idea to then save it from your computer into the same folder. So like everything for me goes into like, one spot and I just have it labeled by year and then I like can kind of keep track of like what I have and then if you need it for a few like say something happened and you were like audited I don't know like you at least like then have everything like in each year folder like electronically and you're not like scrambling to find the paper copy of your I don't know right of right right and what do you think the benefits are to between like working with someone versus doing it yourself I pay someone. I'm not trying to do that. I think that like us, ex- us if, you, too. if you pay like a real like CPA, not necessarily a tax preparer, which not saying there's anything wrong about that, but you can find someone who like truly understands tax law really well. And like the changes in tax law, they, in the end, in my opinion, at least in my experience, like you might pay a little bit more upfront, but usually they can like do more for you. Um, and you know, to me, I know it's done right. Yes. I'm like terrified. Not that I do anything wrong, but like, I'm not trying to be someone that has to go through a whole like IRS audit, um, no time for that. So I'm trying to make sure everything's done like, you know, right away. So I think it's helpful to pay someone unless like, if you are single and literally just have a W-2 and like pretty much nothing else, go, you can go do it yourself. I mean, when I was single and had like literally nothing, I didn't own a home. I didn't have any, like I had my W-2. I just did it on, you know, online. Um, yeah. But now obviously with like, if you're, if you have a family, if you have, if you, even if you're not married, but if you have kids, if you own a home, if you are married, like, it's just to it's me, I'm like, yeah, it's a lot for me. 
So I'm paying someone. <laughs> yeah, same. I think it's the best decision we ever because we're a mess. I feel like just trying to get all the documents. Now I can't imagine trying to get everything and not and just using one of those like online guides. Yeah, like s- being able to sit down for whatever amount of time with like kids. It's just impossible. Yeah, we I we yeah, I'm not trying to mess anything up. And like especially like last year and the year before, there's all those different like pandemic covid tax credits and things like mm. that and it gets like create you know there was like the child tax credit and then when people got checks or some people didn't get checks and sometimes like the ch- child tax credit last year is like you can get half up front and then you can or you can decline it and not get it up front and like all that stuff i was like i'm not even trying to figure <laughs> even gonna try to like navigate this i'm just gonna pay someone send them all their stuff make sure they have everything they need and like they can get the best like, you know, deductions and credits and they like, they study tax law. So like, that's what I want, you know, like I don't study the changes in the tax code. Like I can tell you the basic forms you need to file your taxes, but like I don't study tax law. So like I want someone who does that (laughs) to do my taxes. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Okay, Allie, tell us about Flourish Financially. Or yeah, financial so alley is it? Fi- I always say financially, but it's spelled alley because my name is Allie. But um, I love it. Yeah, so that's my um, like signature program. I don't take one-on-one clients right now because my life's a disaster with two <laughs> young kids, and then we have a dog, and now we're fostering dog. Anyway, it's a mess. So it's the best place to like still get that accountability and support and my feedback, but it's just not one-to-one. So there's modules which I think are important. I think some people hate modules, but it's such with finance or money. It's so easy to, to like, then you can go at your own pace. You can review the video. You have templates. Like you can kind of like take the time, like money audit, for example, is one of the modules. And like, I have an expense tracker in there and like there's oh, a training so cool. on how to use it. And then there's like, you know, walkthrough of like literally what to do. So you can kind of like do that when you have time. All the videos are short, cause especially moms, no one has time to watch long videos. So they're like literally less than 10 minutes. But my point is you have the modules and you could refer back to them. Like I have people who like will get a new job the next year and be like, oh, I'm going to go back and like watch because I'm going to like redo my budget, you know, or maybe you are a stay-at-home mom right now. And then you're going like whatever the situation is, you have that to go back. So there's modules, plus there's calls every other week, group calls to ask your questions, get feedback. If you're like, hey, what should I do with this? I'll tell you my thoughts. So Pretty much, I always say it's like the course that should have been offered in college, but wasn't or the course that was offered and no one took (laughs) because you're like, I don't need any like, who cares about that? But um, we cover money audit, budgeting, debt, savings, investing, pretty much all all of the money topics that you care about. Wow. And I love that your mission statement is reach your money goals without deprivation. Yeah. Like you're not going to tell me to like not get Starbucks if I if that's what's important to me right like I love yeah 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 I mean at the end of the day right like I want everyone to have a plan they'll actually stick to so I tell you to cut everything maybe you'll do it for a month maybe Mm -hmm. maybe you can do but after that you're not going to and like my goal is that like in a year from now you can truly say like I'm still implementing the same strategies because yeah it's a short-term program but like what you learn you're going to take forever because you're going to manage money in some capacity for the rest of your life. Maybe you won't have debt for the rest of your life. Maybe you'll be a millionaire and you won't have to worry about certain things, but you still will have to manage money in some 
like in some way, shape or form. So this isn't like going anywhere. Like it's not something where you're like, oh, I only need this for six months and I'll never have to think about this again. <laughs> it's like, you're going to think about this forever in some way. So it's just really important to get that under control and get all that set now because it just makes, you know, in a few years from now, you'll be glad you glad you did. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I love it. And do you have any freebies on your site? Yeah. So there's two, um, there's a course, it's a foundations course. If you learn better that way, um, where you want like video modules and stuff like that, or there's a private podcast, it's just five episodes that are less than 10 minutes. So if you'd rather audio of learning some tips, you can kind of choose your, your learning method in that. Um, and so those are both on my website as well. And those are, that's a good place to start. If you're like, all right, I'm ready. I need some quick wins. What do I do? <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, Allie, so much for joining me today. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm glad I I feel like we covered really specific things that were like good, like very good things to do as the start of the year. So I'm excited about this episode. <laughs> I I literally selfishly loved this episode because I have things that I need to do this year just to get my stuff in order. Yeah. No, thanks. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. Everything will be in the show notes. Check out Allie's Instagram. She has awesome posts, honest, like quite honestly, one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, like such quality content, which I don't know how she does because she also has a full-time job. Also, we were just talking about how we like juggle so many things outside of our full-time jobs. So yeah, claps to you, girl. Um, <laughs> and yeah, check out her her course. Her course has a a different Instagram. It's Flourish Financially. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's all on her Instagram too. So check it out. And it's everything will be in the show notes. Join us back next week for the next episode. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the New Mamas Podcast. This podcast was created to help first-time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at newmamaspodcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye.